Thanks for listening to this podcast of Trending with Timory from the Relevant Radio app. Anything you share in terms of episodes, whether it's texting it to a friend, posting on social media, helps to build up the kingdom for God to help confront the challenging issues we face as a culture, but with joy, with hope, and with an eternal perspective where our faith collides with everyday life, bringing eternal principles to help us live our life joyfully. So, what's trending? Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio. Zippity doo da, zippity yay. My oh my, what a wonderful day. Plant of sunshine in my way what a wonderful day i love that louis armstrong is such a happy throwback on a monday and blessed monday yes what a wonderful day it is welcome to trending timory is off for today my name is brooke taylor filling in delighted to be with you on this magnificent Monday show. All day, we've been rejoicing all weekend because if you missed the news, we were able to reach our pledge drive goal of $3 million by the end of the week. And every pledge drive we place under the protection and the intercession of the Blessed Virgin Mary and Friday, right under the wire, it happened. We did it. You did it. And we do not take that for granted. So I hope that you are feeling blessed right alongside together by that news today. Thank you. But also on a personal note too, in fact, just moments ago before coming into my studio here, our family was in a celebration mode because we had our priest, Father John Keene, our brilliant canon lawyer, parish priest, at our home for an enthronement ceremony for the Sacred Heart, consecrating our home to the Sacred Heart of Jesus. This is something you may have heard about it. I wanted to do it for a long time. And all of a sudden, you find out your kids are grown. I mean, it, things have gone so fast as you're in the trenches every day. And we have five children, four boys and a daughter. And most of them are older now. We still have a few in the house. But this was a time, and I think such a reminder of if you have a prompting not to put it off. Our home is meant to be the church in miniature. It is a domestic church. And so for Christmas, my husband had presented me and our family with this beautiful framed Sacred Heart of Jesus, actually made out of fabric lace, really stunning. So today was the official consecration. And I wanted to share just a sentence or two from the prayer that we prayed together because my heart was, I was sobbing. It was real. I was trying to keep it together, but it's so beautiful. And I wanted to share it with you as well. This is just part, uh, a portion of what the family prays during this special ceremony with the priest, blessing the, bless the sacred heart of our Lord and the immaculate heart of our lady. It says, we wish to love thee for those who do not love thee as thou art our God and savior. Thou art also our Lord and King since so many scorn thy kingly might, we desire to call it down upon our family. They take thou possession of this hearth where we shall reserve a throne as a place of honor for thee. And it was actually quite lengthy from there, but just a little excerpt there and wanted to share that with you in celebration. So it is zippity doo It's a beautiful Monday. And of course, it's also Shrovetide as we begin the process of entering into tomorrow, of course, Shrove Tuesday or Mardi Gras, and then Ash Wednesday, Lent, just around the corner. 
So to that, the rest of the show, we're going to focus on that. Two terrific guests. Olympian Rebecca Dussault joins me. She'll be on a little bit later this hour, along with writer Melody Lyons. Both of these women are extraordinary wives, mothers. So we'll talk to them about how they are preparing for Lent. We'll touch on everything from optional types of fasting to maybe opting in. That's going to be an interesting aspect of Melody's uh, journey, opting into sh- social media in a time where I think predominantly, I'm sure it's it's got to be on your mind, right? It's definitely on my mind is taking stock of the screen time and intentional presence and what am I wasting time on when it comes to my phone and what is really necessary? These are all good things to examine. But Melody is actually in a time where a lot of people delete their apps, going more towards social media for a very intentional reason. And so we're going to talk about that one particular platform specifically and just the desire to build Catholic fellowship. So what about you? I want to throw that question out right away. Studio lines are open. We are here for the hour. So give us a call. one 914 Was just wondering, what are you thinking about for Lent? What is the prompting on your heart? And if you've given it no thought, well, then you're definitely in the right place because, again, that's what we're going to spend the rest of the hour talking about. So To introduce our first guest, she has been writing and speaking for nearly 20 years about culture, healing, Catholic homeschooling, the domestic church, and is also the author of The Sunshine Principle, a radically simple guide, radically simple guide to natural Catholic healing, and a wife and mom of eight, and now grandma too. So just delighted to welcome Melody Lyons. Hi, Melody. Hi, Burke. It's so good to be here. Yes, thank you. And in just such a good time, too, because you and I were talking today and you said something that really hit the bullseye. I think for a lot of us, you said, you know, it's the same thing every year. I'm kind of looking to add more sacrifices or mortifications. What can I do for Lent? And then the good Lord says, let's make it interesting (laughs) and throws in some (laughs) curveballs. So tell us about that and just how do you do it? How do you prepare? Well, I can share a curveball already because we have um, we have a stomach virus in the house. <laughs> oh man! Of course, of course, of course. You Sorry know, like, you just like we didn't even really have any hard and fast plans other than Wednesday, right? <laughs> just Wednesday. Right. And already, already the the slate is kind of wiped clean. It's like okay, no, we're we're taking care of people in this space, and you know all of the things that come. And I'm sure everybody listening has their own story about how they had the greatest plans for Lent. And then, you know. Like, well, and, so and it really, you know, it. I think it really speaks to the desire of our heart. We want to, like St. Faustina, say, Lord, I'm going out to the desert with you and picture ourselves there with this tranquility, monk-like peace. But then as you kind of paint the picture of, you know, kind of the chaos in our lives, even with rhythm and routine and structure and schedule. But the, the reality is that we control so far less than what we think we do. Right. And it's it's also, you know, we come to the time of Lent as if we can control um, any of the <laughs> any of the elements that come. I mean, it's just, uh, we have our plans and then life happens. And that's how it is in Lent and out of Lent. And when those circumstances come, it's sort of like, well, that's really inconvenient because I was preparing to be really holy right now. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, that's and such a great said, point. We have to really dive in deep and discover what it means to be alive in Christ in our circumstances and no other. Well, that takes me to your call for Len in the midst of all of that. And we know that 
the the characteristic of a Christian is to find the nobility in the littlest things and in, of course, our crosses, embracing them, kissing them, lifting them up. And that takes practice. It takes work. But also to look at the virtues and what are our vices and really discipline and reign in the areas of distraction that get in the way and impede our spiritual life and our, our heart's conversion. And Lord, you know, give us a new heart. And so for you, I think it's interesting because I know in the past, you, like a lot of us, have had a fast of 40 days from all social media, just trying to cut out some of the excess. But you've been called to something different this year, which I think is so beautifully counterintuitive, but it's genius in a way. So can you explain what you're doing? Yeah, I mean, basically, I'm just staying, which would seem, <laughs> I, I think like when we're in, when we're in Catholic community, we kind of pay attention to what everybody else is doing. And there does, there are trends right. and there are things which seem holier, which seem better. And, and to be honest, stepping away from holy or from uh, social media <laughs> is probably a good idea <clears throat> periodically, at least. Yeah. And some people never go on social media. My husband has no interest and never has been. Um, and people walk away and that's completely fine. But it's also just, it's a part of our world, whether we like it or not for good or ill. This is where we are now. This is where we congregate. And there is a little bit of a, a distancing. There's a disconnect um, when we do pull away from social media. And, you know, one example I, that um, that you is going to apply to you, it's a mutual friend, actually. Um, well, we lost a mutual friend, Vicki, yeah. uh, very recently in the Christmas season. And, um, you know, there was a lot of congregating on social media. There were stories shared. There was grief shared, joys. Um, the times, you know, of the funeral and gatherings were, were all dispersed there and shared. But I was recently talking to another mutual friend of ours who had gone on a social media fast. And she missed it, all of it. Mm-hmm. And I was talking to her and I mentioned, Vicki, I mentioned something. And she said, wait, what did you just say? You know, re- repeat that because I didn't know that our dear friend had died. And I thought, wow, you know, like, because the, it's just the way it is now, our social networks do include the internet and it's not, you know, and I felt this guilt. I felt like, oh my goodness, I should have called her. But then again, I can't call everybody. Right. right. And so we do have these avenues by which we connect. Our parishes are there. Um, local events are there. We see births. We see, we see death. And um, it is hard to be disconnected. And to be honest, there are some people out there who are very, very lonely, who are disconnected and who come to social media. And what happens during the Lenten season is that there's like this mass departure. And as somebody who stayed last year, I can tell you it gets really quiet. (laughs) You kind of feel like you're just talking to emptiness sometimes. It it feels very lonely. Um, And I think sort of waiting for everybody to come back. As an observer and, uh, you know, a, a, one, a follower of yours on social media, the essential mother and also Melody Lyons, is that you are very intentional about evangelizing. And, and of course, we, we do that often if you're on, for example, a platform like Instagram through the testimony of our lives in the little way and every day. And maybe it might be health challenges that you're navigating or caregiving or baking or the beauty of having your family go to mass daily or confession or the sacraments, all of these things that 
are able to preach a sermon without even saying anything. And I know that that's close to your heart. And so when you talk about everyone leaving, it isn't as though it's some sort of narcissistic aspect. I know for you, and especially, you know, when you talk about everyone on so often these platforms, I don't, I'm sure that for women, because we are relational, you know, very often this is a part of how God made us, you know, when it can be positive, of course, not when it turns into a vice and all of the bad things, but the virtuous things. And so I think for you, part of what I've heard you share is to be able to intercede for others and to build community and to be a voice in the sea of everything, like a lighthouse. Yeah. And I would, I would say that that's for any Christian, if we're going to be on a social platform, even if a lot of people just lurk, you know, right. lurking, like hanging out without engaging, just sort of taking it in. And I think if we're going to be people who are vocal on social media, um, we have to understand and honor and love the lurker too. Um, mm. Because the things that we say are, are hanging out there. We, we are responsible for the way that people um, have hope. And we can also be responsible for the way that their hope is diminished. And so, we do have to be, everybody has their moments. I've had plenty of moments where I'm like, shoot, <laughs> that's out there forever. I shouldn't have done that. Um, but we also, just like in, in, in real life, right, we have the opportunity to also come back and say, I was a jerk, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, you know, to work and it think- out. I think that I didn't mean to interrupt you there, but I I think that's especially notable in an election year because things can get so heated with politics, even among family members, of course. Yeah, absolutely. And that's where we have to apply virtue. I think I, I see how our communities and even the way that I am inclined to respond or write on the way that the platform is and the algorithms and all that, it kind of draws out in us a certain way of communicating and the Christian way has got to be um, countercultural. And so we're going, if we're going to engage, it has to be with a significant level of virtue. And that means that we, we are capable of being effective Christian witnesses online. We're not only capable of it, but we, we have, we know how to do this. (laughs) This is our jam. (laughs) This, This is where we're supposed to shine. And we have the time to pause and edit. We have backspace key and the option to delete the ability to walk away. We have this uh, wonderful like formation in virtue and in the love and mercy and tenderness of Jesus Christ. And we're capable of self-correction and dialogue. And so it's, you know, it's not really good enough to just like, sometimes, yeah, we, even sometimes I'll just, throw out a conversation starter, especially on a platform like X or, you know, Twitter, whatever it is now. And he kind of just, the platform um, is, is sort of conducive to just blurting things, right? And then people have a discussion. And, but what we've lost is sort of the ability to have that discussion, to think generously, to behave generously towards people and to bring that virtue in. And I think we can, we can get it back and we ought to. (laughs) Yeah. You have a really, interesting, good article on your Substack, uh, The Wild Return, about, it's called False Worship in the Metaverse. And just reading an excerpt, you say, many people left the internet for the Lenten season, 
Most will come back sometime after Easter and pick up where they left off, doing as they have always done. The complainers complain, the lurkers lurk, the memers meme, the academics say smart things, the bloggers emote, the cute cat video posters squish themselves between the relentlessly negative <laughs> liturgy debates. For those of us who stayed, it it is Lent, but we are not changed, not yet anyway. So you really do talk about, it's not necessarily the internet that's toxic, it's our hearts and you say, some say the only way to be holy is to leave it. You say, I disagree. Let's talk about that. So can you take us through a little more of, of that and, you know, kind of um, working us through that article in your insights there? Yeah, the social media is people. And that's when I started to write the article, that was like the thing that just was, was in my head. I came to the page and just social media is people um, because people keep saying, you know, oh, social media is toxic. Uh, we have to get away from it because it's toxic. And it's like, actually, it's this neutral thing. If social media is toxic, it's because people are toxic. And that's where we have to take responsibility. And that's where I have to take responsibility. So if people are behaving badly, you know, that's what we're going to get. And I think it's, so what happened last year was that I had a really tough social media year. Yeah. <laughs> very strange and very difficult. Um, and I, it was upsetting. It was the, probably the most difficult experience that I've had on social media and Lent rolled around and I had a decision to make. And I saw that everyone was like, okay, well now I'm going to go away and I'm going to log off and now I'm going to go be holy. And I thought, my goodness. So everybody said all these terrible things and hurt all these people. And there was this, this mess and madness back and forth. And everybody's just going to walk away. And I thought, no, I'm going to stay. And I'm going to stay because I see the places where I need refinement. And my response in this moment, and it was just like, you know, prayerful discernment, was I need to be better. And I need to find, um, I, I need to work this out. And I need to learn to love people here. So, and then what happened was that, so people left and it was really quiet. And then I was like really hungry for like my community bath. And then people came back on after Easter and there was this flood of negativity. And I went, whoa, flood oh, no. <laughs> of negativity. I'm like, uh, nothing changed. Nothing changed. Yeah, so wow. what, what it comes down to, I think, is if we stay, we have to change. And if we leave for Lent, we have to change. And that is mm. what Lent is, the, the whole yep. point of Lent, right? It's to become immersed um, in the person of Jesus Christ, repent right? Repent and believe the gospel and come close to him so that we can be changed, so that we can be liberated. And then we bring that to the world. And, you know, so again, like right action, if somebody's going to be leaving, that's awesome. Like go reclaim your time, <laughs> you know, get <laughs> off of the, the phone and go cook something you know, and wash some dishes and yeah. kiss your people. But come back changed. Like don't just take that time and go replace it with Netflix, you know, become, right. become mm -hmm. who you're supposed to be. And whether you're there, you know, I'm staying. Um, but I think also like part of, part of that is just feeling in this past year, like a keen sense of people's loneliness also. And also seeing yeah. that in that space that I've been able to sort of um, be blessed also, but also bless some others in that space of loneliness. And so that's just a very personal thing. And we just have to work it out with the good Lord <laughs> and our phones. 
Yeah, well, I do want to ask that as we kind of wrap this segment up, because from my almost 80-year-old mom, my mom is going to turn 80. I know Kale's dad just turned 80 last week, so so many celebrations. Patrick Madrid and his wife just had an anniversary, and just my mom coming over yesterday for the Super Bowl, and we had a conversation, and I was asking her about Lent, and she said, well, for me, it's brought to you by the letter D, discipline. I need discipline, and you know, my mom is you know, in many ways, the, the hero of, of my faith, because she is very disciplined, I feel. But she said, it doesn't matter. I check my phone first thing, and her intentions are good. And she even if is checking in on prayer requests or sending a song to someone, and you realize how often time gets away from you. And that has mm-hmm. to be, as I've kind of had an anecdotal survey of my friends, the number one thing of I need to find a way to rein in that time and have an ethic of attention. We need an ethic of attention again to be present to the small things we're doing and not so scattered. And I had talked to another friend. She said, I'm really having a hard time focus on reading a book. And I think even those that aren't on social media, you still find yourself, I can't speak for everyone, but using your phone for the weather, it's hard. It's really hard to just totally get a dumb phone, which is something so many of us, I think, dream about. Like, remember those good old days where we didn't even have these things? But um, (laughs) for you, I know as you talk about, because I'm thinking all the time that it must take, you write, you do reply to things, you do post things. Is there a way that you guard your time or that you would give advice to anyone else seeking this also during Lent to try to maybe not go away, but to find that balance of discipline to reclaim that time and not let the screen suck it away? Yeah, I think we really have to know ourselves uh, and know our personalities. And some of us are going to be more, it just, I, I hate to, to say this loosely, but just more addictive personalities, you know, people who are just going to be more um, just have more difficulty walking away or, um, you know, uh, some of us have other weaknesses, the, the gossip or whatever. Um, I know that for myself, it's very helpful for me to work in blocks of time, blocks of effort, um, not very good at being scattered. So if I'm going to be invested with something, and this is, that interrupt myself, but it's very important to me if I'm going to be in social, on social media to actually be social, to be engaged. And it's mm-hmm. very difficult but if I'm going to like write something or, or put something out there, I want to be available because I don't want to be just like, yeah, it's social media, but really this is just my megaphone. I don't, right. I don't think that that is the right way for me to engage with social media because, you know, it's a platform, but we're there together. And to do that, it has to be engaging. And you're right. That takes a lot of time. And so, you know, my time really belongs primarily to my family and in my vocation, and then I take blocks of time. So I will step away, and a lot of times I step away in a season, like a celebratory season, like Easter or something. <laughs> um, yeah. And just, like, focus on, you know, but if, if I'm not always trying to, like, mesh it in, and it's just not this endless ongoing thing. So I really do understand, admire, respect people's decision to step away for Lent. Um, and, yeah, we just have to know ourselves, like, what can we replace it with also? That's a big question. Yeah, I think that's a really good point, Melody. And, you know, I think as we wrap up and you talked a little bit about the virtues to look at what are the ones that play here, we have those virtues that preserve our freedom and they are temperance and fortitude. And by temperance, we're kind of unchained from the shackles and by 
fortitude were armed for battle. So I think that those two things are really important. We, we have to break. Jim, do we have time to take Susan or do we need to break right now? Uh, take it, take the break or Susan. Okay, we can take Susan. Melody, I want to grab Susan real quick, calling in from yeah. uh, Delafield, Wisconsin, and chiming in on this topic. Hi, Susan. How are you? Hi, good evening. I've enjoyed listening to the discussion tonight, and I just want Thank to you. offer, I am um, older than, I believe, is it Melanie? Melody, And yeah. I just, yeah, I just really reject this lifestyle where you have a universe of people or your universe that's part of the internet. I just, time is so precious. And I see that the universe or the problems we're having in terms of connecting with people is the universe of your people are your neighbors. They're people from your church. They're people from the food pantry. They're the mom that needs a meal there may be the elderly in your family that needs, you know, uh, you to drive them to doctor's appointments. And if you make your universe of people all of those things, there simply isn't time to create a universe of people that you're having conversations with. Thank you, Susan. I didn't want to cut you short there, but I know we're up against a break and I wanted to give Melody a chance to respond. Melody, I love Susan's insight. I, I think it can be both and I want to give you a chance to jump in. Yeah, I think I, I absolutely actually agree with her. I mean, if I could walk it back and get rid of all of it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, I love that I can stay connected to my local community as well. Like I said, we're enmeshed. Um, I don't think right. we can walk it back. I love to stay connected to my adult children. And, um, you know, I think it can be both ends. Yeah, and just a note to Susan, because you're so spot on, and Timory does an amazing job of covering this topic so well. And it's, but it is, there's so many aspects and, and complexities to it. You know, if you are a caregiver, or if you, I know a lot of widows and in Catholic women and maybe where they are, they are, they are in a grieving group and they very are much involved in their parish. But through, the gift of, I say the Holy Spirit on, on these platforms, they're able to find other Catholic women, other people who are in the same boat. They share prayer requests. They intercede for one another. And that in a time, depending on your circumstances, maybe you can't get out that much can be a gift. Again, it's not a replacement. Absolutely, Susan, because we were made for that heart to heart, eye to eye. We know that and, and emphasize that a lot, but I just really appreciate that, Susan and you, Melody. We have to go. God bless you. And how can we find you if we do? If we do want to dare to go online, how do we find you, Melody? We can start at MelodyLions.com. Okay, thank you so much. God bless you and your Lent. one 914 if you want to add your voice to the conversation as well. What is on your heart for Lent? Rebecca Dassault, former Olympian, is going to be with us next. Stay with us. So, what's trending? Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. This is a Monday, but not just any Monday. It is a Monday of celebration, anticipation. We are in Shrove Tide. We are celebrating you and the graces of our Lord and the Blessed Virgin Mary because we officially reached our goal on Friday in case you haven't heard of $3 million 
for our winter pledge drive. We are totally listener supported and only four times a year do we step forward with the need and every time you step up and it is not lost on us. So we work together to cooperate in that mission to bring Christ to the world through the media and you are fueling that engine. So thank you again. And it's also a day of anticipation because as we've been discussing, Lent is on the horizon. Ash Wednesday, the day after tomorrow. Of course, Shrove Tuesday, Fat Tuesday is tomorrow. Melody Lyons just talking with us about how she's preparing something different she's doing this year that was good just to kind of think about. And that's the thing is, again, we're all maybe called to something different. We are, no doubt, because each one of us has a different heart and challenges and crosses and vices and um, virtues, predominant faults, all of these things. But it's always nice to collectively, I think, get together and look at how the Lord is working in our lives, where we're prompted to have that change of heart, that conversion, that metanoia. And to keep it coming, we have another fantastic guest. I do want to open the phone lines or let you know, too, that the studio lines are open, one 914 one four nine. Is there something that you're thinking about this year to take up or let go of? Uh, something that has taken root in your heart that you really want to explore deeper. Let us know how you're preparing for Lent. Tim Ray's off today, and it's Brooke Taylor here. Grateful to be with you and. My next guest is a former Olympian coach, homesteader, wife of uh, wife of one. <laughs> I have to specify that mom of seven, Rebecca Dussault. And Rebecca competed in the Winter Olympics as a cross country skier, I believe, in two thousand six. We'll get the scoop though. And she is the founder of Fit Catholic Mom. Hello, Rebecca. Welcome to the show. Hi, Brooke. It's great to be back with you after these many years. And thanks I for having me. Yes, yes, it's good to connect with you again. And um, and so for those that don't know, let's start there, I guess, with your athletic background and introduction, maybe to your highlights, your story, and then how you came to establish Fit Catholic Mom. Sure, yeah, well, it will definitely point to the fact that I'm no stranger to discipline. And as we are on the threshold of Lent, of course, it all flies in our faces. Are we really disciplined? What can we be disciplined at? So yeah. what I have done athletically it does involve a lot of life discipline. Uh, from a young age, I was very successful in several sports, but I eventually whittled it down to the, the scene that I felt was the healthiest, um, both morally and spiritually, and just as a level of family life, right? It was very imperative that it was a healthy thing all the way around. So skiing just emerged as the place I was going to really press the gas pedal. So fast forward many, many years of ski racing around the U.S. domestically and 16 national championship titles, skiing overseas, representing the U.S. at five different world championships, uh, a couple of those junior, a couple senior, and then ultimately the Olympics. And as the turns and twists of my story would unfold, I would actually become married and have our first son prior to coming out of retirement to go to the Olympics in 2006. And an incredible experience, of course, the kind of the the pinnacle of sports, and then a a brief retirement, which I came to call baby breaks. Uh, Having done this so many times now, it's not (laughs) retirement, (laughs) it's baby breaks. Uh, And then I actually qualified again for 2010 in Vancouver, but the... Like many sports, the U.S. ski team had a political card in its back pocket, which it played Mm -hmm. against me being an older athlete who had taken baby breaks. They didn't really like that. So, unfortunately, I didn't represent the U.S. in Vancouver, and I went with my plan B, which was to win the world championships in winter triathlon in Norway in 2010. 
And so I have effectively retired as a pro as of 2014, and I still just dabble in racing because it keeps me very much alive and chasing goals and showing my kids what's possible. So always an athlete, but dying to be more spiritually athletic than anything, especially at this point in my life. Well, I want to ask you about that because as you're talking about your career and building this extraordinary portfolio, this this resume of around the world, top level in every aspect of your athletic sport and discipline, there is also the faith element. Can you talk about where that played a part? I know you, I don't know if you remember this, but I remember you sharing this most beautiful story about a priest celebrating mass under the moonlight during a night ski. Um, and and just that aspect of your faith, was it always with you through your career? You know, it was in different ways. And that singular memory, I was just thinking about it today. And I'll have you know, I've just finished coaching my team for the day. I'm sitting in my car half sweaty from just going on another beautiful skiing adventure through the snowy woods. And it took me right back to that very minute where we were up in the woods and the priest said the mass by the light of the moon, way up beyond the National Forest boundary, high in the Colorado mountains, And the snow was so deep, we needed to ski forward to him to receive the Eucharist. And I thought, I just received Jesus on skis. I mean, it almost makes me weep just to tell you the story right now, because it, for me, solidified that I can be an athlete, and I can be totally an athlete for Christ as well. And so there's been some other punctual moments like that, not as as defined maybe, but Jesus has always been there in my sport journey. He has taken sport from me at times, and he has given sport to me. At times, and it's always been this really dynamic dance between he and I, and the role that sport is going to play to keep me morally growing, growing in character. And it's been equally sweet when it's been taken away as when it's been given. And there are mm-hmm. lessons in that. And um, I was remembering Lent as a young ski racer and fasting all day on Wednesdays, which my coach put as our heavy interval training day. Um, and I would come to practice very depleted, having fasted all day, but it didn't matter. The grace was sufficient, and I got the most out of those intervals I probably ever could have. And, you know, it's just those little sacrifices. We think, oh, at the level of the temporal, this makes no sense, but it makes all the sense in the world at the level of the spiritual. Wow. And I love, too, with regards to your faith, you have a story. I know I want to get back to Lent, but I think this merits underscoring is you talk about early on how you were able to evangelize in that mission field of world-class athletes and Olympians through natural family planning and just compare notes with other athletes about NFP. What an amazing opportunity that was just so naturally organic, how it was witnessed through your life. Yes, I probably had other designs in mind for how God would use my story and my testimony. I didn't really think I'd be, you know, (laughs) sitting down with teammates to talk intimately about those topics as I was the only one married. But what a great uh, seed to plant in their hearts and minds that despite my commitments being every bit as large as theirs, that I could completely use pro-life means to to postpone, really, um, for, for a short amount of time, the pregnancies that we would eventually seek to have. Um, at this point, there have been 10 of those, eight births, 10 pregnancies. I mean, God has done beautiful things through our marriage and our fertility. And uh, of course, I, I look back and there are so many reasons I could have been much more selfish, but the self, most selfless thing I have ever done is is rear my family and you know, God is God just continues to use my story and to have the openness to evangelize in the way that He would use us 
is really needed today. You know, we can get our ideas set about what we think others need to hear, but we need to listen to what others need to have based on, yeah, where, where do they need evangelized? What, so, yeah, just being flexible and listening to the Holy Spirit, that docility is hard to come by at times, but we need to just get out of our own way and evangelize. Boy, yep, and that, you know, you talk about discipline, that definitely comes into play there. And you did you say eight? You said 10 pregnancies and eight. You had another one, didn't you? Well, I I mean, I don't discount that I have given birth eight times, but we did lose one at 33 weeks with a hypoplastic oh, left my. heart. So I, oh, Rebecca. as far as my body going through what is pretty much a full pregnancy and delivery, it, it, there is an eight, yes. Wow. Oh, Lord have mercy. Well, God bless you continually for your faithfulness in all that you do. Uh, I want to get to, if we can, also Lent. That is a big theme as we are so close to uh, Ash Wednesday. And you talk a lot about optional types of fasting, whether that's fasting from shopping or clothing. You've really, I think, mastered this. I have seen you share different things over the years. Can you give us maybe a few prompts and inspirations? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I do not have a default that I go to every Lent. It's this time of year where I'm trying to pray and listen to the Holy Spirit, getting that really organic inspiration from Him. What do I most need, Lord? Where am I unduly, you know, attached in 2024? Uh, Lent sneaks up on me probably like the rest, but no less. We can get our plans in place. I do love options because I have spent a lot of my life pregnant or nursing, and so sometimes the whole food fasting isn't necessarily the most sacrificial or I need to avoid doing that completely. Uh, not completely. I mean, obviously still abstinence from, you know, meat and that sort of thing, but I just think we can be more creative. The number of times I hear, Oh, I gave up sweets. I'm thinking that's original. <laughs> Forgive me. <laughs> and maybe some people do need to do that, but here are some other ideas. I, I do. I need to do that. Rebecca. <laughs> <laughs> my hand on that one. But but you're right, it is unique to each person. It is. It is, and there's so many options. So just getting outside of the box a little. It could be that you do a skirt fast where you only wear skirts. Mm-hmm. And if you, even if you go cross-country skiing like I did today, you can put a skirt over your ski pants. I mean, people even alpine mm-hmm. ski in skirts. So it could be a skirt fast. You only wear skirts. Or you that one just for the ladies, of course. Of course, just for the ladies. Um, <laughs> but I love know, the creativity out- with that. <laughs> yeah, it would be formative, right? And then see how you think about skirts. It's kind of like cold showering. Right now I'm in a right. habit of three-minute cold showers, and it appalled me the first time I thought of taking one. And by the time I took three, maybe four, I was like, this is kind of enjoyable. And I wouldn't say it's ever going to be completely enjoyable, but these are beautiful things because, for one thing, cold showering makes you pray. You can't get in that cold of water and not pray when it's coming from 260 <laughs> feet below the earth. But the other thing is showering for souls. Make that first three minutes for the holy souls. Shower off in that freezing cold water. It doesn't mean you can't warm up after that, but it could be that you take a daily cold shower or you go with fewer showers and wear more hats. There are so many sacrificial things we can do. My point with any of these, any of the things that we take away really needs to take us into a void where there is lack. There is lack, and so that God can fill that. I love what Solanus Casey says. He says, to the extent that I will empty myself by the end of my life will be the extent to which God can fill me. If we don't take enough out, there isn't room. We are all full to the brim. We are all highly satiated, and yet still unwell, still diseased, still unpolished, still 
lacking virtue, all the things. So void. I think that's the word I would like to pivot the conversation on is how can we create that void so that there can be a filling? So that's in, you know, speaking of the things we're taking away, but adding, oh, so many beautiful things. And I think that can be more positive even. Yeah, I'm thinking too, our previous guest, a mutual friend of ours, Melody Lyons, was talking about that, that don't just say, I'm going to not do X, Y, or Z on my phone or this habit that I have, maybe it's playing a word game, but then you go and you binge watch, you know, a a series on TV where you're replacing it with something that will draw you deeper into the heart of our Lord, uh, teach you, or uh, just pour out graces. Maybe that's adoration. And it really is unlimited. And it's it's so beautiful when your mind starts to go and to think about it. So we have to take a quick break. I would love to hear from you. one 914 when it comes to Lent. Maybe you're just now thinking about it because that's how life is so often. And there's a beautiful grace in that too. Sometimes things just bloom up that you never even imagine or are prompting. Rebecca offering so many beautiful ideas here. Shrovetide is here. So when we come back on the other side of the break, we will pick it up there with Rebecca. Rebecca Dussault, former Olympian, wife, mom. She is my guest as we talk about preparing for Lent. We'll be right back here on Trending. It's Brooke Taylor in for Timory. Stay with us. We're talking about what you're thinking about. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Rebecca Dussault is an Olympian, writer, mother, joining us for a conversation about preparing for Lent. It's Brooke Taylor in for Tim Murray. She has a day off. You're listening to Trending. Rebecca, you are also the founder of Catholic or fitcatholicmom.com. And with all of that, you mentioned that you just finished coaching a team right now. You've got a large family, so much going on. This apostolate, Fit Catholic Mom, you're a homesteader. I know you talk about layered up living. How do you do it all? And especially as we approach Lent, no matter if we're young and single or a parent or grandparent, we all are juggling a lot. So maybe some tips you might be able to offer in balancing. We have to live in layers. There's so many things we want to get done and (laughs) it just feels like we can't get to enough. So I think we have to look for good pairings. Who wouldn't want to pair good things? You know, peanut butter and jelly or (laughs) wine and cheese, whatever. Good pairings. And it can be the physical and the spiritual. So one of the things that is always my Lenten companion if I'm nursing is that when I sit down to nurse, I spiritually read. I do not pick up my phone. Not only that, should we really have those devices near our infants? I I reckon we shouldn't. But what scholarship could go on while we are sitting there nursing or sitting there just in times of of taking a break? We should be picking up the the manuals of our faith. Um, So that's a very important pairing it could be that nightly during the rosary, as you are aging and feeling that body stiffening, that maybe you can take to the floor and stretch in such a way so as to not detract from your your prayer. And it is entirely possible. You can certainly ask me about that one. It's sometimes helpful to be doing something physical to keep us more on track with the prayer. Uh, right now, I have taken to a large paint-by-number picture And I will just say that nightly, as I keep going with this discipline of five to 10 minutes so that something gets produced in my life, uh, that the Jesus prayer 
is what will be on the on the mind and the heart during that time because it's very easy to do those two things simultaneously. And my all-time favorite example is just how much mamas can get out of some of the most mundane tasks, but laundry. Laundry is just a lot when you have a large family. So laundry represents the chance to do a workout, placing that laundry on your bed or on the floor and being able to lunge over, pick up a piece or squat, pick up a piece, raise your arms up high, realizing also that every garment you pick up really bears the name of the person in the family you can be interceding for. Mm. I just love that it can be a three-pronged attack when it comes to chores, a workout, and intercessory prayer, praying for our families. And we know how bad our families need prayer as Satan has it really out for the family. So there's many ways to live those layers. And I also think it's, again, not about how much we can take away, but sometimes what we can add and sometimes just adding structure. So two examples I would give to that are when we use social media, which for a lot of us is required of us just due to the nature of our businesses, but it's very easy to get on and just consume, consume, consume. So having the parameters with yourself that I have to get on and create before I consume, it may mean that I don't even get to consumption, but if you're creating and adding value and and bringing forth the evangelization or whatever you ought to be doing first, you'll feel better about some limited consumption. Uh, the other thing would be around mealtime. I think my family hasn't loved how much I love the food fasting, especially in the years that we get to do that, full vegan lengths or what, what have you. But that can be kind of stressful on the family in a certain yeah. way. So I think it also can be that you bring in other practices. You can dim the lights or eat by candlelight or have one of the teenagers do a spiritual reading while you eat a somewhat normal meal. Taking some of the stress out, sometimes it can be just a real issue to go, what am I going to make? Nothing I can find in the fridge is meat-free, dairy-free. And I'm not talking about Fridays or Fridays and Wednesdays or whatever your specific things are, but it can be really stressful. So rather than having it be so difficult, sometimes just adding something that is formative that is beautiful and that is for the whole family to grow but without getting the angstiness of some people really detesting lent because of what you're imposing upon them i don't know if that makes a lot of sense but adding in can be as beautiful as taking out absolutely and two points to that that i think just totally (laughs) came forward and made me smile one was when you were talking about laundry and when my my boys were growing they're still growing but in picking up their socks on the stairway, you know, praying, Lord, help me to raise a good man that will be a good husband someday, or if he, he has a religious vocation or a calling, and not leave his socks <laughs> all over. Because, you know, there's, it's still my responsibility here when they're young to form them, to, to Lord, give them eyes to see where they can help and to not leave their clothes all over. And it, it just kind of made me smile because I remember specifically praying for that, praying for their future wife if they're called to the vocation of the sacrament of matrimony and all these different things. And if it's okay, I'm, I'm looking at our time. But because you brought up dinner, I'm just going to take this as a prompting from the Holy Spirit when you talk about adding in, Rebecca, because uh, I think Jim has it pulled. It was audio that I thought if we have time for, I wanted to share this. It was something that years ago we did add in for dinner, and that was learning 
the dinner prayer in Latin. And so what we did is take the time over the 40 days and we would have something called landing time. It's so hard depending on the ages and stages and and work schedules to get everybody together. But at least for 15 minutes a night, we would get together and it was just like a YouTube. And you know, you, if you go on the relevant radio, there's apps, there's Latin prayers, but we would listen to it. And we learned the dinner prayer in Latin. And, and Jim, I don't know if you have it pulled up to play. Okay, could you? Could would you mind? It's short. Benedicto nos Amen. And those boys, their voices, it's so sweet to hear their voices now because they're they're pretty much men now. <laughs> they were little boys then. So I love that, Rebecca, because in that one Lent, we learn that. And for the rest of our lives, we know that dinner prayer. And the same thing with the Pater Noster, because you don't often, depending on where you are, what community or school, you don't often have ready access to Latin anymore. Uh, like I said, depending on where you are, but we didn't. So we had, we took the domestic church and we learned there. So I, I love what you're saying. And I guess as we wrap up, is there any final thought or takeaway for you as wife and mom in preparing yourself in your family for Lent that would be helpful or that you'd like to share? Yeah, thank you so much. I do think that we really need to understand the extent of our Easter joy will be equivalent to the extent of our Lenten joy. And by joy, I mean our entry into it, our full entry into it, whatever that personally means for each of us. If we have a wish-washy, mediocre, lackluster Lent, Easter doesn't hit the same way. Yes, Christ is still going to resurrect and it's still going to be glorious. But to the extent that we're willing to, to enter into the cross part, the fast part, that will bring full light to the feast, full joy to the feast. So I just encourage all of us to take Lent seriously. Find those little those little 10% tweaks that we can do to really galvanize our participation in this incredible time with full accountability from Mother Church, our brothers and sisters in Christ. And this is a gift. See Lent as a gift. Change your perspective, change what you have, change how you feel all at once. Amen. So well said. How can we find you and connect with you? Fit Catholic Mom everywhere. (laughs) Fit Catholic Mom. IG, Facebook, yeah. And thank you for taking the time to work in this interview segment here. I know, again, you're sitting in your car after coaching a team and making time to be here. Thank you, and and God bless you in, in your Lent and Easter this year too, Rebecca. Many thanks, Brooke. Thank you. A big gratitude uh, thank you to both of my guests today, writer Melody Lyons, also Olympian Rebecca Dussault, such a beautiful woman inside it out. Again, her website is fitcatholicmom.com. Both wives and mothers, Melody and Rebecca, with I think about 15 children between the two of them. So really beautiful just to hear their insights as they prepare for Lent. And today is... Monday. So we pray the joyful mysteries, the family rosary across America with Father Rocky is coming up and we have so much to rejoice in reaching that goal on Friday of $3 million because of you. Every pledge drive we place under the protection and intercession of the Blessed Virgin Mary. We thank you, Blessed Mother. We thank you. I'm Brooke Taylor in for Timory. Thank you to Jim and Miranda. God bless you.